0: Good morning, vendors and non-benders alike, and welcome to the Republic City Dispatch, a radio program covering Nickelodeon's Legend of Korra series. This week, a special bonus episode while time stands still in Republic City. This episode goes out to Air Temple Island with this special message from our listeners. Korra, Tenzin, Mako, Bolin, Pabu, Naga, Asami, Pema, Jainora, Iki, and Milo. Everyone take a moment...
1: To relax, it's time for
0: Matt,
1: Dave, and Devendra. Wow, that is a mouthful. Uh, thanks, everybody, <laughs> for uh, tuning in. On the, in this bye week, there is no episode of Korra this weekend, sadly. I know you're all weeping like we are, um, but we're we're still bringing you a new episode just to chat, kind of overview, look back, think about things. You know, we're talking it out. We're having a good time. Um, but as always, I'm Matt Patches, and I am here again with Dave. Hello, Dave Seven, for for people Mm -hmm. on the Tumblr, who he has been doing a knockout job responding to everyone. So people should leave comments and and all that there. And uh, Davindra. Hello, hello, guys. How's it going? Um, And also, I just want to quickly say, and I don't think you guys will mind. um, Thank you, everybody who's been listening, chiming in, leaving really nice messages on iTunes, subscribing there. On Tumblr, responding with great comments and thoughts and ideas. Um, It's been helping the show and... The positive response—I don't know—makes worth it. It makes it worth doing for me. Um, so thank you. And I'm—I don't know if I'm speaking for everyone here. Uh.
0: Yes, you definitely are. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Dave and Dave also really appreciates everyone pointing out that he's been mispronouncing names. Uh, all Yes, the time. it's <laughs> one
0: of my most favorite things about life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dave, you've been doing a very good job pronouncing things. He thank he you. got an IPA dictionary and everything. Sure. Um. Anyway, just to just to begin. Uh, Thinking about the show, now that we're in a pause, we've gotten, what, seven episodes in and some serious, serious stuff has been going down. But we wanted to step back for a second, at least I do, and just think about – I said this last week that fandom can be a difficult thing. It can be – I love getting hyped up and I love thinking about Korra. Um, But for me, I wanted to step back and just think about – critical thought too and thinking about is the show as great as i think it is and i think living on the internet can be difficult because we we get hyped up we're on tumblr we're posting pabu gifs and i just want to look at pabu gifs all day um but that can cloud our eyes a bit too and i just wanted to step back and kind of talk about how fandom influences us and how we should still be thinking about the show in a, in a serious way um because it holds up it really does. I think by stepping back, I learned that the show is really good. It's well-crafted. It's well-constructed. It's well-directed. And um, it's a great show. And Davindra has some great stories from the early days of the Internet. Oh, God. I feel so <laughs> old now. Uh, You're God, not old. You guys are only a
2: couple of years younger than me.
1: I know. But, but I mean, Jeez. fandom... It, it, it shows, like, the rapid growth
2: of the Internet, yeah. right? Like, we've had completely different experiences growing up with it. That's a good
0: point. I was saying to someone <laughs> back in my day, the iPhone camera didn't have a flash. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's so long ago. But I'm thinking like old internet. I'm thinking really old internet. And it definitely is the reason that I'm into the things that I am today and have discovered things. I don't know how it is for people today. And, mm-hmm. um, just how they get into things and how they can critically think about them. One of the hardest things for me was, and I was telling Davindra before the show, or, and Dave, uh, the way I got into kind of online fandom was through a movie or a movie website called UpcomingMovies.com. I'm sure you can assume how I found that on the internet. Uh, Alta Vista search, of course, and um, landed on this thing and just getting hyped up and excited for things that were about to come out and following them and getting really into movies that way. Um, how did you guys start kind of becoming fans of things. I think it's different than it used to be because of the internet.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean mean, well, I I think I had a little bit of internet help because I definitely remember being in chat rooms where people would be describing the X-Files feed on the East Coast (laughs) um, and so I could like learn about what the plot was an hour before actually watching the X-Files. That's hardcore. But um, I I think Davindra's had a much more interesting (laughs) experience engaging with fandom than my chat rooming.
2: I mean, chat rooming. Chat rooms were like one of the big things. Uh, AOL chat rooms. I spent a lot of time in there. There were also these uh, back when CGI. So like the like you you could like type in something into a form and hit a page and it would refresh. This is before JavaScript and everything made it really made web pages really interactive. There used to be these CGI chats where people would just kind of hang out and talk about things like anime and Sailor Moon and whatnot. Um, my big thing jumping into uh, fandom online. Probably was around the anime because there weren't too many people who watched it around me. It was kind of tough to get back around like the mid '90s. So, like I think 1995 when I first had net access, like looking at things around Ruroni Kenshin, uh, Ronin Warriors, uh, Sailor Moon guys. I loved sailor moon and this is a I'm big a moment
1: sh- for davindra by the way because he's admitting to everyone now that he's no, an obsessive I'm not ashamed sailor
2: to admit <laughs> it. And this is this is actually one thing i've learned one thing i've learned really early on is that you know if you love something and if, if it's good and you're passionate about it you kind of don't be ashamed of it and i think we've kind of come into that too with geek culture i mean look at the avengers guys like that movie that movie's a miracle for so many reasons like the fact that it's actually so good but the fact that it's so popular too like, we're seeing geekiness at a... Uh, it's just totally mainstream now. It's totally accepted. And, uh yeah, I've seen other people, like celebrities, talk about how much they love uh, Sailor Moon. Donald Glover from Community, he's talked about his huge crush on Sailor Mars, that sort of thing. Um All those early shows really got me into it, and then I learned other anime. Like, that what sent me to
1: Evangelion and Escaflowne and things like that, and it kind of just grew up from there. And I, I think that... That kind of fandom and geek going mainstream has helped Airbender, too. I don't think we'd have Korra without um, fandom taking Airbender to the next level. You know, it's a, yeah, it's a, yeah. it was a cartoon on Nickelodeon. That really, I mean, people were mm -hmm. cosplaying it at Comic-Con and people were bringing, you know, we have to admit M. Night Shyamalan made a $200 million movie based (laughs) on it. It had popularity and we helped it by, like, getting it out there. And I think the Internet is a huge part of that now.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you could even track the very existence of The Last Airbender, of the original show, to, like, you know, this rising popularity of anime. It got to a point where, you know, American companies were kind of financing uh, anime movies like uh, the sequel to Vampire Hunter D, Bloodlust. Uh, that is that's an English movie. It was made to be dubbed, and then it was like retranslated back into Japanese. But that's totally made for Western audiences because they didn't. Who really was behind that? Um, I think it was uh, the company behind it. Madhouse did the animation. Um, I think, like, they just kind of wanted to put it all together because it was so popular over here. That movie's also amazing, so... I, 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 <laughs> Wait, which one? Bloodlust or D? I love Bloodlust. Bloodlust is a great movie. Um, great action, great animation. Um, I mean, it's from the director of Ninja Scroll. Just
1: Another stuff, amazing yeah. movie, which I think is still on Netflix, or it was at least a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that they, you know, America was starting to produce their own anime and kind of doing things on their own. I think... The Matrix helped establish that too and just... It it made it more acceptable because anime was so tied into it and The Matrix had such a presence on the internet. I think they really pushed that too and brought it to the the internet's attention and as we know, the internet can can make things explode. Um, And I I think that's why it took off here at home. I don't... Do you you think that?
2: No, I Um, mean...
0: I mean, the the nature of the internet is just to, you know, elevate certain communities and I think it's more like The Matrix... Reached into the, pointed the popular culture in the direction of the internet maybe, but I think those communities just form by the nature of what it is, because you're, it's, essentially we all grew up liking stuff, but you, the only other people you had to compare it to were your friends, and they're more Mm -hmm. likely to like what you like, so it was amazing to me, come, you know, like 1997... To be able to get in very limited contact, but at least contact with other people that were liking it a completely different way. And I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. I guess, how it would push me towards critical behavior, because I think that the Internet definitely helps with that, Um, even if it's at a very basis level of your theory is so stupid or uh, I wrote this fanfic. Um,
1: (laughs) But but do you think that's helpful? Because here's my other side of my dissection of how the Internet operates and fandom and how it kind of explodes Because we can be hypercritical, too. And I see that when I'm, like, sifting through Tumblr and just seeing people Mm -hmm. react to things off the fly. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone can give it within, like, two seconds of seeing something. And we can start campaigns against people. And we can get really invested in one thing and propel that out into the internet. And while I love what the Internet offers us, I think that it kind of skews criticism um, in not a negative way, just in a way where we lose sight of what that criticism actually is and how it Operates and what it means as in critical individuals.
2: Right. It may it may not even be criticism though. I think it's there's a greater conversation that's happening. You know, and fandom is part of that. Um, fandom of and people of all sorts and different ages and whatnot. And then there's like the critical community, which I feel like is getting stronger. And there's more of us, but it's just there's the greater tide of everyone else online. You know, it used to be like just any conversation you could have around a piece of fandom was kind of constructive and interesting. And eventually like the internet just got to the point where it's, it's a giant mess sometimes to like deal with a common thread or talk in a message board or something. It's uh, I don't know you kind of have to find those critical communities sort of yeah. like listening to the Republic city dispatch. <laughs>
0: yes, that definitely works. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I think now it's uh It's also something about television shows and the fandom that surrounds television shows and how... I mean, I would make the argument that, you know, when you're midstream, it's hard to be critical about what modern-day TV is because Hmm. these have all been made, these have all been written. You know, it's not like anything we can say is going to affect the show. So really, we're just watching this bigger picture being unveiled, you know, before our eyes. And so it's... For me, the fandom is where I turn, you know, after each episode when I just need to talk to somebody about what I'm thinking about. And the time for criticism is after, you know, a finale or in a natural storytelling break uh-huh. where it's kind of OK and you're not disrespecting the work by approaching it the wrong time, I guess would be like, I, I mean, I talked about Lost every week with people at like bars but I didn't stop and think about what the show was as a whole until it ended because I couldn't I, I didn't realize it was a show about mystery and not a show about answers because mm-hmm. I didn't know we weren't going to get any answers until it was all done
1: Well, It's, <laughs> it's funny that you mention that because I just watched the finale of Awake, a show that was on NBC I, Did you guys watch it at all? No I mean, one No really one did, really.
2: It. I, I watched it. It's just, Matt, I feel like this is your first experience loving a show that you know will be canceled. So I, I hope you're. Okay. What does
1: that mean?
2: <laughs> no, it's, you were really passionate about it. I was like, I Dude, was. this is totally going to be canceled. Uh, but like, I, I'm uh, going to love it, but I'm going to love it from a distance. So I, I absolutely.
1: I knew it was going to be canceled the minute I saw the pilot at South. or uh, at Sun. or. What, what was it called? Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con. <laughs> I knew it was going to be canceled because it's too. It, it's not for the mainstream. It's too mm-hmm. layered. It's too complicated. And I'm not saying it's too smart. It is just too convoluted at times.
2: It had problems, but it, it was a really interesting and high concept.
1: Yeah. But the one thing, now that the show is over, um, people were really worried, is this show going to answer the questions that it has set up in its mystery? But here's why I like it. Um, for the same reason as I love Lost, too. And and I love all shows really like even Cora where we have every week lots of questions we want answers to and I'm always afraid people are going to get unnecessarily mad about not hearing those questions or not having those questions answered because at the end of the day shows can't be about answering every single question because you have an endless list of them and uh, I think of this about awake Mm -hmm. which was about split realities is he dreaming is he not which one's real it's about lost you know were they dead the whole time why was there a polar bear there what were the others blah 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 Um, and Cora fits in this too I think and it will when it ends but like we can't expect there to be answers to everything what we need is emotional payoff and if we get that and this is why awake is so satisfying even though it's a finale that was written before they knew uh, that there wouldn't Mm -hmm be coming back for a second season the ending is so fulfilling it's so emotionally successful that we can't we have to stand back and say yes this is a great show and we're not going to get everything they created a world that was so dense and so full of mythology that not everything can be answered and you know what i'm glad because now my imagination can continue to run wild and i can continue Mm -hmm. to love it forever
2: sure i I hear you although i don't think cora is in danger Of, like, being any, like, like those, either of those shows. Because Awake had this really crazy concept that I'm not sure they could have ever really explained. I still need to catch up. And Lost, like, it was really great. I understand, like, I loved the characters. I loved when it was great. Um, But there were entire seasons of Lost where nothing was happening. (laughs) And I'm not going to, like, bring up. You know, started. That's a really long. Korra uh, seems like it was well written from the start, and they mm. knew exactly what they were doing. So that's I'm less worried about the answers we're going to get here because I think they they kind of know where they're going. And I mean, they did it too with Airbender. Like, sure, I, there was there was some filler there, but not
1: too much. It's it's less of a worry for me with Korra and more people getting hung up about specific things and i never want to do that because i I hate
2: nitpickers for anything like they're the least fun people
1: and the, the internet can harbor that a bit but i have to say that i'm extremely proud of everybody at least who contributes and talks on republic city dispatch the Comments and uh, contributes to the Tumblr because everyone seems very grounded, and for uh, aside from a few negative people, like I just think the core of fan base is successfully doing it, and I hope they continue to just be grounded and and love the show, but also have questions and think about it critically. Um, but Dave wanted to bring up something that we've been overlooking. Uh, critically speaking about the legend of Korra, Dave, I'm segueing to you probably in a bumpy way, but
0: yeah, no, I think I'm um, re listening to a few of our episodes and hearing some of your guys' responses. I think we might've given an Asami a unfair shakedown by <laughs> assuming we knew who the character was and not talking about what we actually saw um, Asami do. I think in the last episode, which was, we essentially had to get brought up to speed on her character um, really fast and so I wanted to I've been talking to some people and soliciting some opinions and I'm starting to think that maybe like the car driving scene wasn't so much all about being devious as it was uh, providing us a link between Asami and Korra and letting them enjoy a like two girls activity just so um, when Asami starts being a little sassy to protect her father we don't see it as devious we see her as more like korra but just you know on a different a non-bender korra if you would mm-hmm. uh whereas you know korra has a certain amount of prestige naturally by being the avatar asami just has it from uh being a sato and uh being rich um but I, I, yeah i think asami could go either way um i saw some theories uh around the internet that if a character is going to die because uh, we got we got called out on the AV club for that being a crazy theory and their comment section kind of got to talk about it. Uh, but someone was saying that if uh, instead of Bolin dying, like Devinder's been talking about, maybe Asami's the one that needs to go to focus uh, mm-hmm. Team Avatar Generation 2. <laughs> they so, need something
2: to avenge. I, yeah. I know.
0: Well, well, I think I, I, having a rallying point, it's just, it's it's been weird for me uh if we wanna talk you know sort of out of the box critically, it seems to me like if she was as important a character as she seems to be, like if we she's really trustworthy and romantic mm-hmm. uh that she would have had more to do in something like the spirit of competition, where that was the theme of the episode is who do you trust and be romantic with, and can you you know split into sort of that way it's uh it seems weird to me that we get all of her character at the exact same time we get her seemingly you know, life decision about if she's going to be a good person or a bad person, but I could be wrong. I just I think we kind of talked about Asami without talking about what she actually did.
1: Well, this might be like the perfect example of when it's necessary, necessary to kind of step back and say, you know, what is this show? Am I, digging too deep? Am I just looking for lots of different plot threads and twists and that sort of thing? Or is Asami just this redeemable character who's, when we catch up with her next, she'll be grappling with this horrible revelation that her dad is turning on her friends and trying to kill them. You know, that's really compelling. Um, Are we we projecting onto her what we want because we're always looking for twists um, in a show that is really just about characters and trauma and and um you know just dealing with that huge issue
2: i don't yeah. know like to, to some degree though like i don't think anything we've said shouldn't be taken as gospel like we're, <laughs> we're really just saying hey like this guy looks kind of fishy i wonder what's going to happen here it's like it, it's very different than like we're making bets with like i don't know blood money about who's going to die at the end of the season so i don't, for me bolin just feels like i've seen a lot of anime and I feel like they're going to make us love this character, and then they're going to take it away. You're
1: critically assessing it based on your prior knowledge. Yeah, I think that's what great criticism really is. I mean, you're you're not you're not spewing, you know, you're not bad mouthing Boleyn and saying he should die. No, I love
2: Bolin. Yeah,
1: um, convention says that you might be right. Uh, <laughs> you're <laughs> deep reading.
2: Yeah,
0: he will cry, but he will cry when <laughs> Bolin dies. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I think that's the only thing that I feel like we left out of previous conversations. Um, Mm -hmm. Another interesting sort of thread that I guess I wanted to bring up is uh, people have been talking a lot um, in comment-wise and uh, through our inbox and on other Avatar sites about uh, sort of the place that Bending's taking in our new universe and how, um, I think, I don't remember where I saw this, but I thought that... uh, it was interesting. Someone described that it's no longer an art; it's more like a skill, so it's being used uh, mm-hmm. practically. But it's been that,
2: commoditized in a way. Yeah.
0: Yes, and then it's something that you know these more specializations are just because it's just one of those things. You could go get a book on how to lightning bend, or go you know get a teacher. It's not about becoming one with a in- inner inner part of yourself. So I thought that was also noteworthy.
1: Well, it's interesting to me because I. I hope we don't get too much... I think I've said this before, that I hope we don't get too much explanation for that kind of thing. Like, I like diving into this world... And just seeing how things are operating here and kind of letting my imagination run wild in that respect, too. Just understanding, okay, this is where we are in this time based on this many years going by. And I, I've been thinking, too, like, I hope they do another series, like, in the future or something. And just, like, continuing to drop me into random universes. Um, because I love just familiarizing myself in the new place and, and not worrying too much about the connections between, say the last airbender and the legend of korra and trying to figure that out um but i like that the evolution makes sense too we understand the previous world and we understand this world and we don't need the filler and that's why i love the show because it's so economical
0: yep and i think it's it's it sometimes seems a little rushed but thus far i like kind of having no filler i think if we would have had a lot of episodes like the spirit of competition i would have I don't know. Someone was saying else, I think on the AV Club, they're like, oh, this needs more episodes like The Beach. And I'm like, no, we do not need any side (laughs) episodes where it's like, oh, let's forget about this impending genocide and let's go have shakes.
2: And that, that, by the way, is just so anime. Like every anime series, even like uh, Evangelion does that. um, And they wrap it into like a crazy, you know, apocalyptic monsters coming to destroy the world too in that same episode. But they'll still have The Beach episode. Uh, that's some great fan service, but yeah, I don't know if we'll get more of that here Finishing up our little lightning round here
0: Alright, so here's how this going to go I've been reading through all the Tumblr inboxes and emails and most of the comments that, That's kind of updating live, so I will be less likely to have had all of those But I've narrowed it down to a bunch of our questions that keep coming up Some of which I've addressed on the blog, but I think I'm going to ask them of Matt and Devendra and if they disagree, we'll figure out why. And if they don't, uh, we'll just move on and assume that their yes or no answers are uh, good. Deciding who goes first, though, you guys each have to come up with an animal combination in the style of this universe. And the one that pleases me the most wins.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: so I can't go with just bear. I, I mean, that, that could be your entry, though. If Devinder comes up with something I like more, he goes Camel rabbit. All right, Devinder's going first for trying. Dang.
2: Because <laughs> I right. want to see a camel rabbit.
0: <laughs> All right, here we go. Devendra is Bumi Aman. I eh, know patches.
1: I would. How could I? I want to know what people think. What is there an inciting <laughs> fact that people think he w- that would be? What's the connection? I really people don't understand s- that theory. People seem to think that he dodges attacks like a bead leaf
0: airbender. Um, wow, air, like he would be close to the airbender family, and that.
1: Uh, he, um, I don't uh, think he harbors it? spite for anyone. So no, I would have mm-hmm. to say no. All right, Devendra, will
0: we see or talk about Ko the Face Stealer, in the Legend of Korra?
2: I are you saying season one or two? Because I think we will at some point. Yes.
1: All right, patches. I am th- gonna side with Devendra on this one. It seems though, it seems like a very particular detail from s- yeah. the first series to get into and really expand. But I do think that we're going to jump into the spirit world at some point, and mm-hmm. it would make sense. And may, you're right. Maybe that's a um, book two for Legend of Korra. But it, I, I don't see us getting into the spirit stuff too much this season.
2: It, it's just such a cool concept, but I can't see them leaving it all on the table.
1: I want code uh, to come into the real world. Ooh. I want, I, I'm waiting bleach. for spirit crossover here.
2: Yeah. Legend of Korra is going to become Bleach in the second season. Exactly. you hear to here first.
0: <laughs> all right. Is it important to the plot, not the theme? that things like lightning bending are less specialized uh say like uh, i'm not sure
2: what the where are they asking
0: i mean a lot of people are like why aren't they why isn't mako lightning bending these Mm -hmm. mechs away or why aren't they using the gloves in combination with lightning bending or is it just that it's part of a technological skill-based thing and it's just a theme thing that we shouldn't worry about
2: yeah I, i feel like people were bringing it up before it makes sense looking at the advancement of that society, and if uh, bending and specialized bending is taking the place of, you know, actual uh, other technology like electricity or you know, re- running power through using fossil fuels and stuff, uh, it makes
1: sense. Pages. Well, I think that um, it's a plot and a theme thing because I think it's very much that the world is out of tune with. Um mm-hmm. the spirituality and that bending is very much rooted in that and if you're going to just casually use it then you're forgetting where it's coming from and then that is what's going to irk the spirits and in my opinion like fuel somebody who's trying to take away bending and given that power by his spirits
0: <laughs> Will Korra go into the Avatar
1: state to Vindra? Oh yes. Ever? Yes <laughs> Um Patches. See, I'm I'm wrestling with that one. I want... Obviously, I would love to see that because mm-hmm. everyone wants to see the Avatar State. Would it be more powerful to never do it and just see, like, you know, the flashback of Aang going into Avatar State accidentally hurting people or doing something wrong and, and then pulling that power away and realizing she doesn't need it that would be very compelling um yeah. but i do think we'll see the avatar yeah. state <laughs> i also feel like her avatar state may be very very different than what we're expecting like that could be
2: the yeah. interesting surprise
0: <laughs> all right uh davindra more naga
2: or more pabu <laughs> more pabu come on i <laughs> do naga's love naga's nice and all but pabu is is amazing
1: But I will say this. I love Pabu because Pabu and Bolin are like an amazing silent comedy (laughs) team. Um, But what I love about the original Airbender is Aang's emotional connection in like a man-pet sort of way to Appa. And I wish that Korra had a little more of that with Naga. Mm -hmm. There's a little – you know, there's snuggling every so often after she gets off of him from riding. But um, more of that. Uh, There's
2: no time (laughs) for that. No, there isn't.
1: There isn't time. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's, everything, it's too important.
2: All right, Devendra, is Tarlok bad? Uh, I, I, uh, it depends. Bad, good. I, I think he has really bad uh, intentions, but I think he is a character that
1: could be redeemed uh, come the end of this series. Patches? I would agree with that. I, well, I think, yeah, he sees the world operating one way, and mm-hmm. it's not a way that we're going to agree with because... It's politically going to seem insane. And, um, yes, I do think he's redeemable, though, unless he's really the mastermind who cannot shake his view of the world. And he is like a tyrant dictator type person, in which case he yeah. has to go. Although, but,
2: uh, you know, even then, like the Fire Lord was not killed, you know, like that, that sort of thing. But it wasn't
1: the Fire Lord wasn't redeemed. But he was, I he was given the, the pass because he is a human. Yes. He is one yes. of the people. He's a part of the society, and that's what the Avatar does, bring them together. And I see Tarlik doing that. I see, like see that.
2: more of that than what happened to him in this series. But anyway. I think that's uh,
0: confined to the promise, which mm. its release schedule might have been screwed up, too. My comic book store did not have it, but they seem to have thought that they did have it yesterday. Oh, okay. Anyway, but Amazon says it's been pushed back to June 12th. Is that on
2: Comixology or any of those things? Um, I don't
0: think so. It's Dark Horse, and I don't think Dark Horse Mm. has a digital app uh, yet, or if it does, I am just being willfully ignorant of it, unfortunately. All right, Uh, Devendra, are we going to see Ty Lee? Uh, Oh, yes.
1: Yes. I hope so, because, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait. that's not an explanation. That's just a confirmation. Yes. But in what capacity? Because she'll be older... I'm assuming you're disagreeing, Patches. Well, like, it, it does seem a little weird because she hasn't been established in this world at all. It would be... Uh, it seems a little weird to me to just start throwing in characters from the old series late in the game. But maybe as, like, a Series 2 thing, like I've said in kind of the beginning of the show, uh, our, of our show, that um, the idea of Korra leaving Republic City and going off and trying to explore and figure out her problems outside of the world that she's currently in, um, maybe then she could stumble upon Ty Lee and learn something. But unless Ty Lee's in the city... Uh, I, I don't know. It just seems weird to kind of throw people in, right?
2: Yeah. I don't know. Like she could. She was. Uh, She's not like that she important the in the, press the original point series. Stuff in the original series, she could really teach Korra something about what these uh, new bad guys are up to. Mm. Dun
0: dun dun! All right, <laughs> here's a big one, Divindra, Some of our characters have had a parent attacked by a firebender. Is this the same firebender?
2: <laughs> I, I can't imagine. That would be ridiculous.
0: So no. This is Amon, Mako, Bolin, and Asami, all parents <laughs> attacked by firebenders. Patches.
1: Um, I'm sure this is somehow connected to the flashback we keep seeing. Um, yeah. Dave, remind me of the name of the person. Yakone. Yakone. Um, Maybe something to do with that. It would seem a little weird that all of these people were affected by the same Firebenders. I am really interested what happened to Firebenders kind of after, and I'm sure they touch on this in The Promise. Um, You know, it it reminds me of uh, extended universe Star Wars stuff where after they destroyed the Emperor and blew up the second Death Star, suddenly there's all these, like, Sith people running to the edges of the universe trying to (laughs) come back and do bad things, and that's why there still had to be Jedi for some reason. And I wonder if, like, the fire name there were still some angry firebenders who wanted to go off and like start killing people. And I imagine there's something like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to
0: pair these two. Is Sokka alive? And is Toph alive? Davindra? Uh,
2: I'm not sure about Sokka, but I, I hope Toph is alive. So I'll say yes.
1: Uh, I doubt either of them alive. Well, I actually hasn't, hasn't that been hinted that Toph is alive? Yeah. Somewhere? I heard like I at Comic-Con last year, I, I
2: definitely heard that, she was, I don't know if like they were saying she existed at this point during the series and she was training metal benders, or is that something she did before this series? But it sounded like she was around and traveling.
1: Again, I think it's wishful thinking. I do not yeah. really understand bringing in so many of the old characters i love that they have a presence by being historical figures or like i love that first episode of korra where we see a couple people there's some offhand mentions of older characters you know we saw katara um but again bringing people back just for bringing them back's sake seems a little arbitrary for me and i it kind of undermines how individual the legend of korra is from avatar the last airbender
0: all right davindra will we go into the spirit world this season
2: uh, maybe at the very end, but I, I would wager no. Pageants. Yeah, it would
1: have to cap the season. How many episodes do we have left? We're on seven. There's 12, right? Four. That's, that's yeah, great. I just don't see it as a possibility unless it's, like, at the very end. There would have to be a big revelation. We just haven't been talking about the spirit world at all, and we yeah. haven't been training Cora.
0: Two episodes ago we were playing pro bending and now the arena's gone, and they' are mech suits, so I mean we're covering a lot of ground
1: pretty fast that's true I guess they're all at the airbending temple uh, yeah. or they're at airbender camp so maybe, maybe <laughs> there will be some serious meditation going on now that um, now that everyone's in one place
0: all right uh, do you think that we may see more blue firebenders this series that one I think is directly pulled cause it's grammatically interesting. <laughs> Devendra. Mm. Repeat that, because I'm not sure I understand it. Blue firebenders. Like Azula was, you know, using oh, the blue oh, fire. Okay.
2: Like evil uh, fire. Yeah, yeah. I-, I feel like we will see that, and that could be the evil firebender. Yeah,
1: Yakone. Being... Uh. <laughs> oh, you think Yakone's the evil firebender? Oh, I want to know what happened to Azula, really. Yeah. yeah that seems really like the only story. thread that could really have spawned something evil- Post uh lord ozai being defeated zula rebels yeah <laughs> zula rebels i love that i not <laughs> <I don't>
0: know <laughs> all right last one is alive zuko evil no no
2: absolutely no, that's not the whole point of the last season or last series right
1: that would undermine avatar the last airbender in every Completely. way shape or form yeah.
0: so no <laughs> that's been our lightning round folks thank you very much for asking if you did not ask one of these questions then I will do my best to get to it on the <laughs> blog republiccitydispatch.com. dot uh, com.
1: Well, to just end the podcast this week, I think we wanted to throw some possible recommendations sure. to fill the Cora void this week. And, Devendra, I kick it off to you because you I know you are a wealth of knowledge when it comes to watching lots of things.
2: <laughs> I've watched way too many things, so I, I don't know. And actually, so, I want to talk about *Ruroni Kenshin, or *Luloni Kenshin is, I, I don't know the actual pronunciation is. Um, I'm surprised you guys have never heard of this because it was one of the most popular series in the 90s, and even even earlier, like, last decade. Like there was still stuff happening. And this series is about a man named Himura Kenshin, who was like the best assassin in the Japan in Japan's Tokugawa era and since that all changed and it, it, the series takes place in the Meiji era this is when like they're getting westernized so it feels a lot like Legend of Korra actually you see things like more guns and people dressing in western style but in this era He's just a really nice guy who's trying to atone for all the people he's murdered, and he walks around with a samurai sword that has a reverse edge. So he, like, it, it's actually really hard for him to kill somebody too. Um, the yeah, the inside edge is what's sharp on his sword, and uh, yeah, it's the sort of thing like if he flips his sword. You know stuff is going to get real, you know it's, it's just one of those shows, and it's about his redemption. Uh, the first season is him like uh, meeting these characters in the dojo, just becoming part of a family. There's some great like uh, just great villains too, because they're all um, a lot of them are inspired by comic characters. One villain's inspired by uh, Wolverine, uh, just great characters, great villains. Um, the first season of Ruroni Kenshin is just really interesting, at least for the first 13 episodes. The second half of it kind of hit or miss. What you really want to watch the series for though is the second season. And in this season, uh the it's not too much of a spoiler to say, um when he gave up being an assassin, the emperor ended up choosing somebody else. And this person is just completely evil. And now in the second season, he's like uh basically trying to uh, take over Japan with his craziness. So things get real. Uh the animation is amazing. Uh, the choreography here, um, you can actually... I feel like I see influences of it in Legend of Korra. And it's just its just great. Just a great show, great characters, amazing music. And it's also worth watching... Um, in the U.S. it was known as Samurai X for some reason. Um, but uh, there's this four-episode uh, original video animation, or OAB as the animation, anime geeks call it, um, that is, I think, one of the best things just ever, ever made. Um, and this is something... Uh, I forget the actual name for it. In America, they call it uh, Samurai X Trust Betrayal. And it's just four episodes that looks at his early life and how he became an assassin and some really horrific things that happened to him. It's beautiful. It feels like Kurosawa made an anime. Wow. And with amazing music that feel... It's like the level of Hans Zimmer. You know, great slow music, amazing animation. Definitely see uh, Samurai X Trust Betrayal. Um, if you can, uh, although I think it really works better if you watch it after you've at least seen the first two seasons of the, of the TV series. So uh, Rurouni Kenshin or Samurai X, you know, it's called different things. Um, it's do not I don't think it's on Netflix, but you can get the DVDs
1: and it's worth watching for well, sure. Well, the creators of Samurai 7 are very sad that you gave uh, oh. the title of Kurosawa. <laughs> Samurai 7. I,
2: I have many thoughts on that.
1: Uh. I, don't, I, I, I If they're negative, then maybe we'll stray away. <laughs> it's Go in it's your a rant. fun
2: show, but it's no Rurouni Kenshin.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. Dave, is there anything that you uh, want to recommend this weekend?
0: Yes, I'm going to recommend uh, one comic book series and one other podcast, um, which is kind of weird. But uh, for the podcast, I want to recommend Talking Tunes with Rob Paulson. Um, he plays uh, the voice of Yakko on Animaniacs and Pinky, hmm. and he was Raphael. And he is going around and talking to other respected voice actors about just the process of actually doing it and awesome. uh, navigating the career. It's like a uh, WTF podcast about cartoons. Uh, and it's also you know clean, whereas WTF is obviously not. Um, uh, but yeah, recently his uh, Phil Lamar and Mark Hamill episodes have been really, really interesting wow. from like a cartoon. Mm. Uh, watching space, um, and it's, it's nice because he's uh, a professional, but also a voice actor in like mm-hmm. comedies, so he has a very witty repartee, and even though these are like hour to two hour long episodes... Uh, they're very pleasant listens to people who are interested in cartoons
1: i think i just watched him in a video like an hour and a half long re- table read of star wars they voice actors performed at emerald city comic-con
0: hmm. on yes, youtube that did happen.
1: yes you can look that up on youtube uh that so, was yeah. hilarious but the,
0: the voice acting community is starting to discover podcasting which is a great thank, forum for yeah them. thank so god that's that's the one i would check out and then uh comics wise Uh, As I went in looking for my Promise Part 2, I uh, had to get something to read. So I've been uh, digging into The Unwritten on Vertigo. Um, It's by a man named Mike Carey and has been illustrated by Peter Gross. Um, But it is about a man whose father wrote a series of 13 books that are Harry Potter-ish. And he based the main character on him. And then as this man is traveling around to comic book-like conventions... He suddenly realizes that a lot of his life might have been fabricated and people start accusing him of being the character come to life. Whoa. Um, But the comic book itself is very uh, concerned about uh, the power of creating literature um, from Frankenstein to Harry Potter And all the weird uh, things that happen to creators and uh, how real events inspire fictional events. And then vice versa in this particular comic series. So uh, check it out. It's still ongoing. I think they're up to issue 40. But uh, the first couple trade paperbacks are out there and really interesting.
1: Awesome, awesome. And I am going to quickly recommend um, three Blu-rays that came out on last Tuesday. Um, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast or a fan of Legend of Korra, then you're familiar with at least some of the Studio Ghibli films. Um, Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away most recently Ponyo and their latest film that actually came out in theaters a few months ago and now it's on Blu-ray is The Secret World of Arietty which is bo- uh based on The Borrowers the book The Borrowers which they made a horrible 90s movie version of uh not too long ago hopefully that's not a Nickelodeon property um, <laughs> but they uh it, it's it's a, a fantastic movie and you know what really separates uh Japanese animation and a lot of Studio Ghibli stuff from what we see here in America um it's just the concentration on character. And I, th- mm-hmm. this is one of the reasons I love Cora and why I like a lot of the Pixar movies is because they can take serious topics. They can use fantastical elements. In this case, you know, it's about a girl who is two inches tall, who lives with her parents underneath a house, and she forms this relationship with this boy who is a regular-sized person who's actually dying of cancer. Um, and, yes, or, no, maybe he's not dying of cancer. He has a heart problem. He's, he's going to die. Um, but he forms a relationship with her, and it's a touching story. It's animated, and it's so beautiful, and if you're familiar with the Ghibli stuff, it's, it's that perfect blend of um, rousing adventure and um, just a real care of character and human emotion. And the two other discs that came out this week are uh, a great 1995 drama called Whisper of the Heart. Again, not something you'd expect to be animated because it's basically a coming of age story about a girl who um, kind of falls in love with a boy and she's learning about relationships. And yes, there might be a talking cat for at least... 10 minutes, 15 minutes of the film. (laughs) But um, it's mostly just about a girl making her way around Japan, figuring out life. Uh, It's a fantastic movie. And um, Castle in the Sky, a 1986 film, is the third Blu-ray. This one's actually... Yes, it's it's a... Uh, directed by Hayao Miyazaki, um, who is kind of the founder. He's the Walt Disney of Studio Ghibli. Um, this film is incredible. It's definitely influenced every fantasy that's come out after it. Every video game. I mean, I I just finished playing Legend of Zelda: Zelda Skyward Sword not too yeah, long ago, yeah. and I that is this movie comes you know in video <laughs> game form. Essentially, it's about um, this girl who falls from the sky into the hands of this boy, and uh, who's working in a mine, and together they realize she's come from this. F- amazing hidden island in the sky and they just try and get her back and there's robots and flying machines and pirates and the yeah. government's trying to kill her of course yeah. and um, it's such an amazing blend of all these different ideas and through Miyazaki's incredible illustration, animation and um, his vision is, is so pure here, something you just never see here in the US I don't think, even in the f- films that I love from Pixar or something, they're just uh, this. this one is imagination unleashed and I couldn't recommend it more on a Blu-ray. It's so crisp and amazing. See it on the biggest TV you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's what I would recommend for this week to fill your void. Um, and I think that about wraps us up for this episode. Um, Dave, is there have... another one? Oh yeah,
0: yes. Um, so now we're hearing not from Nickelodeon yet, but from good old Time Warner and Comcast <laughs> that there will be an episode uh, Saturday, oh. June second, and it will be called "When Extremes Meet."
1: Ooh. Um, well we will uh, hopefully yeah, get confirmation wrong, on that soon
0: please yell at comcast <laughs> uh, and not at us
1: fair enough excellent well we'll be back next week with something and hopefully it's another episode and if not we'll figure it out but um, thanks again for listening and why don't we sign ourselves off Dave hey I'm Dave with the 7 you can follow me
0: on twitter at da7e or uh, come ask me some questions on our tumblr
2: republiccitydispatch.com
1: <laughs> Davindra
2: Uh, You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash divindra. I write about technology at venturebeat.com. I podcast about movies and TV
1: at slashfilm.com. And I also do a tech podcast at thedrilldown.com. And I'm Matt Patches. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. M-I-S-T-E-R Patches. I'm actually on Tumblr, which I wanted to mention, at mattpatches.com. And you can find Dave and I podcasting uh, about movies and pop culture and all sorts of things at our other podcast, Operation Kino, which is on iTunes. And I think that about – I'm the movies editor of Hollywood.com, my actual job. And I think that about wraps things up. So please, again, thank you so much for listening. All your support. Um, Give us feedback either on the tumblr itunes reviews obviously helps us get out there and uh, keeps the spirit of cora alive on the internet in these weeks when it's not actually on um, yeah, we're gonna outlast those game of thrones people. <laughs> yeah, exactly we're gonna have we a lot, have lot to talk episodes. about exactly <laughs> uh so there you go and we will see you next week